it's, it's very appropriate we just saying how great thou art. That's kind of the praise where we left it last week. If, if, you're, if you were here, you remember, and I hope you're loving uh, going through this book of Peter, uh, the first book or first letter from Peter. Uh, it, it, it's pretty amazing, especially, and maybe you could even say the words with me. I, just, you might try it. But it's it's second at uh, first Peter that second chapter verse nine, where it says you are a chosen somebody's there chosen people, you you are God's royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, and you are His precious possession. I, I'll pick up where I left off last week. That is amazing what God has given to us. In chapter 1, we know it comes through a rebirth, a whole opportunity to have a new beginning. This time, that new beginning is through Christ uh, with his Holy Spirit to be identified absolutely belonging to God. Each of those, each of those descriptions, it is we are God's chosen, we are God's royal priesthood, we are God's holy nation, we are God's special possession. In that identity, it's very clear, we belong to God. You know, we belong to him. And, and, and so what do we do about that? You know, it's kind of the question that follows. And Peter, Peter, in our passage we're looking at today, proceeds with that you know but but one thing he doesn't say that I think is absolutely implied that if if we belong to him if if we are his people then simply this we're subject to him right we're his people and and we're being his people we're people who pay attention to what he wants what he desires we want to know his word we want to we want, to, we want to be his people, right? We, we, we love the position he's brought us into. So, uh, to, to submit, to, to be subject to God, that, that's who we are as his people. Now, Peter doesn't come in there, okay, now uh, be his people by being subject to him. He doesn't. But he does, in, in beginning verses, actually, we're just looking at some simple verses, it's chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, which really precedes where we left off last week. These are, and I'll, I'll let you know, these are really, in some ways, introductory for the rest of chapter 2 and also chapter 3. And we're not, we, we can't go through all of chapter 2 and all of chapter 3 unless you've got some time and, and anybody brought some lunch, okay? So I, no one likes to do that, but but let this sermon today encourage you to read again through the passages we're looking at. Matter of fact, if, if you haven't been reading through 1 Peter, just go back through it. I've, I've had a couple of people who are reading along, and I, and I always encourage that. Read the rest of chapter 3 uh, this week to prepare for next week. But, but this week we're looking at only two verses or focusing our attention on two verses and we're going to open up some of the others as we walk through today. The verses we're looking at is, again, verses 11 and 12 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's read that together. It'll be up here above me. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. And that's actually the way Peter started the letter, addressing the exiles, right? To abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. 
live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Real, real simple today. Now, Peter begins by addressing you as, well, or, or, or actually the ones he's writing to as foreigners, aliens and foreigners, foreigners and exiles. I'm sorry, there's all kinds of words in different versions, but foreigners and exiles here in the NIV. And again, that's how he started this. Uh, he is addressing those in Bithynia and Cappadocia, and, and that, that's up there in Galatia. If you look at chapter 1, the verse 1, and, and so it's a letter sent to them, but but boy, this fits us. This absolutely fits us. If you've gone through this, it's, it's what he's given to us. It, it is for people who are Gentiles, not necessarily, you know, especially with what we just saw, not specifically looking at Jews, uh, although some of the imagery definitely looks like Jews, but he is speaking to those who are Gentiles. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you did not have mercy, but now you have mercy. That's some wonderful words there in verse 10. But this time, he is urging those who are foreigners and exiles. And, and again, according to our identity, how do we live? You know, as his chosen people, we are to live that identity. We're, we are to live his identity. So what's the specifics in that? Peter actually lays out two points for us. Uh, in, in this verses 11 and 12 to give us a direction or uh, help us understand what does it mean to live the identity we've been, we've been given there in verse 9. So here, here they are. The first, first point that he makes is found there in verse 11, and it basically says that we, we are not to follow the ways of sinfulness. Do not follow the ways of sinfulness. Uh, again, we look back at chapter 1 where it said, hey, this is how you ought to live. Be holy as I am holy. And God says that from the Old Testament. He says, be holy as I am holy. We're to live out in holiness. And so here, Peter puts it in different words. He says, don't live out that sinfulness. Actually, uh, what he, he, he tells us to do is abstain from sinful desires. Now listen, thinking about aliens and strangers, we understand why he calls us aliens and strangers. Uh, the fact is, is that we have this new identity. We belong somewhere else. There's, there's a, a kingdom we belong to that doesn't have its place or location here on earth, but it is someplace, boy, we're looking forward to and being a part of, right? It is, it is heaven. And, and in this world, we're living in this world. Hey, uh, we are in this world but we are not to be of this world, is the statement we always hear. And, and the truth is, we live in difficult circumstances. In this uh, sinful world, we continue to live in difficult circumstances. We're surrounded by sinfulness, surrounded by brokenness. And you know with me, surrounded by a lot of ugliness. Isn't that Right? And, and, and along with that, there's, there's continued sinfulness around us, and, and there's also the trouble of our own sinful desires working within us. I want you to notice that Peter, what Peter does not say in this verse that maybe we could imagine, or he, some in the past have imagined. Peter doesn't come along and say, hey, move away. Move away. Go find someplace, you know, out in the country. Or, or go to an island that's away from the wickedness of this world. 
Uh, there was a time in history where guys would go and find caves so they could be secluded from the world. They could be alone and isolated and, and won't have the troubles of sinfulness there uh, in front of them all the time. That's one way to fight your desires. And yet, do you think that removes you from your sinful heart? Absolutely not. Peter, Peter does not say that in this passage. Matter of fact, he, he does address that. He said, hey, you know, abstain from sinful desires. And continue. I mean, the war is not just out here where all the sin is taking place. But this, remember the, where the sin originated in you. It's, it, it was born in you. It worked in you. And, and, and as you've left it, it continues to be a problem. It continues to be a problem. He says, abstain from those, the, the, not just the, the acted out sins, the, the desi- you know, sinful desires. But, you know, I mean, we think about it. Uh, to the people he was speaking to, he said, hey, listen, don't return to that, those, your sinful ways. That, that's got to be part of it, right? They were involved in things of sexual immorality. Don't return to those things. They were involved in some idolatry, some pagan idolatry, worshiping various gods and, and even uh, emperors. That's what they did in their culture. And part of that was banquets and other things that were fun, part of their culture. And, and, and so they have moved away from those things. And, and, and we have to do the same thing, of course, things of sexual immorality or... or uh, uh, Things of, of, you know, self-centeredness and things that our desires want in this world or pursue, we are to abstain from those things. Matter of fact, we're, we're also to abstain. I think it's important to point out where Peter was leading in the first verse. Not just the things that outward are temptations, but there is that sin that's born in our hearts, the self-centeredness that we have to deal with. There in verse 1, he said, the things of malice. What, you know, where, where someone has upset us, offended us, and we begin to think, boy, I just want to hurt them. I want them to hurt. I want, I want them to feel some pain. And, and, and therefore, you know, uh, we, we begin to have thoughts of malice or even act on malice, meaning looking to cause some difficulty for someone else. Or deceit or hypocrisy or envy. Or the, or the things of slander where you say things about others, offensive things, hurtful things, most often behind their back. Uh, those are those things that we harbor in the height, harbor within our hearts and, and hide a lot easier than those things that are outward going, right? So that also has to be part of Matter of fact, You'll see as we lead on from after verse 12, beginning in verse 13, where those things probably be prominent as, as Peter is, is instructing us in these two points. We'll look at that here in a little bit. But these sinful desires, it says in verse 11, these sinful desires wage war against the soul. That we, we need to abstain from these sinful desires which wage war against the soul. Uh, that needs a little explanation. And, and when we think about it, maybe, maybe, one of the best, uh, maybe one of the best examples laid out in Scripture was where Paul himself was, was speaking in Romans chapter 7. And perhaps you're, you're going to be familiar with uh, 
what, what he says in, in Romans chapter 7, beginning verse 15. And see if this doesn't sound familiar. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. <laughs> I, I don't know how many times I've sat in a Bible study or a reading in a group, and, and, and we look up and we say, man, any, what does that sound like? And, and, and a number of people say, man, that sounds like me. That sounds like the wrestling I have. There's the conflict at play. Paul makes it just really clear in those words, those stirring words. Man, what I want to do, man, I, I, I would love to do, I don't do it. The, the, the evil I don't want to do, guess what? I end up doing it. And he, he lays out that conflict. Uh, another passage of scripture I think is significant in helping us understand that conflict, that, that, that sin or that, that, the sinful desires that war within us is found in James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, listen carefully what he says. And he, he comes along identifying and then even helping to explain what it is, this conflict that's at work within us. He says, what causes, as he's speaking to the believers, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? That, again, that conflict, right? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you did not ask God. And even in that point, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. What's wrong with you? Verse 4, you adulterous people, you adulterous people, Verse 4 says, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Did you hear that last one? Uh, now, listen, we came out of the world, right? We came out of the world. That, that is my life behind me, should be behind me. And, and, and a new life ahead of me, a new life that I've been given and, and do you see the conflict in between? Man, I'm familiar with that sinfulness. Then, boy, there's some things I used to enjoy that, that still seem to rise and say, well, I want to be a part of that. And yet, man, the life I'm embracing, the new identity, a chosen of God, his, his, his uh, precious possession, priesthood, holy nation, all that. That's my new identity. But guess, it, it, it just continues in conflict. The conflict is this. Man, still wanting those desires. And oh man, it's still, still there. And it, it raises its ugly head. But at the same time, I'm wanting to glorify God. I'm wanting to live for him and, and pursue him. So when we do it together, it's wonderful. I have lots of support and encouragement. But I go out in the week and guess what happens? Man, I'm back into the world. I'm back around people who, who, who are, you know, good people, 
But man, living like I used to live and doing the things that I used to do and, and, and uh, man, I'm getting, I, 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 that desire comes up again. And it, it, there is a choice that we have to make. There's that constant battle and even wrestling within us that, guess what? Uh, if, we're, if we choose to be friends of the world, then guess what? Then we're enemies of God. The, the things of this world, the brokenness and sinfulness specifically of the world, does not go in any, any way connecting with the God whom you love, serve, and who we belong to. So when it says when, that wages war against your soul, man, there, hopefully there's conflict that you've worked through. If, there, if there's sinfulness and temptation that you continue to wrestle with, there needs to be that conflict. Praise God for the conflict. Continue to make the right choice. Continue to, to move and, and, and pursue the God who loves you, who provided a Savior to release you from the bonds of sinfulness. Continue to pursue him and love him and overcome that sinfulness, the things of this world, and embrace that holy God. Abstain. And, and Peter says it this way. Abstain from sinful desires. All right, the second point that he makes the second point that Peter makes is in that 12th verse. Uh, and, and, and basically what he says is this, treat worldly people honorably. He doesn't say it with those terms. Let me see it, say it more precise. We say it by reading the, the passage where he says, if, no, excuse me, I'm still back in James. Sorry about that. But in, in, in that verse 12, he says, live such good lives among the pagans. Live that. That's the second instruction. Live such good lives among the pagans. If, if you're familiar with the English Standard Version, or if you haven't and you're looking at it right now, what it says there is keep your conduct honorable. Uh, easy as simple. Ronnie's version. Be good. <laughs> right? It, it's be good. Live honorably amongst the pagans. Hey, live such good lives among the pagans. Is, is what we're called to do. Now, this is difficult if you go ahead and read the rest of 12 where it says, hey, uh, even though, don't you love the even those? Even though they accuse you of doing wrong, then they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. First of all, how easy is it for to, us to live honorable lives while the world around us, there's accusations going on? There's accusations going. Well, again, Peter addressing those people in Cappadocia and Bithynia and, and Galatia, there it says in chapter 1, those people he specifically wrote to, what, what accusations were being hurled in their direction? They were called atheists. <laughs> well, no, how could they be called atheists? Well, because the people that they lived around, they were very religious. They, they worshipped and sacrificed and celebrated their gods who were no gods at all and they worshiped emperors uh, they were out there worshiping but guess what those christians don't recognize our gods they're atheists not a not a correct accusation at all it's deceitful uh, how, how about the the fact that a lot of churches in that time were uh one of the the untruths that were being thrown their direction was they were cannibals well, how are they cannibals? Well, they participated in this meal when they gathered together 
the bread and the cup, well, the bread represented the body of their Savior, and the cup represented the blood. Cannibals. Untruth. But, but that message, you, you know how it gets spread around in society. Also uh, accused of incest. They were, you know, called brothers and sisters. And they were all together, brothers and sisters. And so, uh, accusations of incest. You know, you know the accusations that are being thrown around today. Well, we're a bunch of haters. You familiar with that? You, you go to church and you believe in God. Well, you're a bunch of haters following after the scripture. You're bigots. And, and you're, a, you're a people who, who uh, uh, do not want people to have the opportunity to make choices. Right? That's who you are. And, and is it true? Yeah, there's some truth to those things. But the part about hate, we can't be a part of it all. Can't be a part of all. So, now, in, in that part, you know, even though, though they accuse us, we are called to live lives that are good, that's going to, and, and, and honorable, that's going to represent God. The, the second part of that says why. The, the bottom line is why. That they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Right? Jesus said it. Hey, you are the light of the world. He said it so long ago, and I believe it's something that we still identify with. Jesus said that we are the light of the world. Why? Because we have that opportunity to live his glory. We're, hey, we're, again, we're his people and all identified in that verse 9. And guess what? We're able to identify and live God in this world to be his people. So that they too might glorify God. Hopefully sooner than later. Hopefully there's, there's those who are watching and asking. And, and we're, we're having the opportunity to share the gospel message. Of why we are living differently. Or why we are living such good lives. I think their idea of the good life and our idea of good life is different. So uh, honorable life. Good life as in righteous. <laughs> All right. Now, there are, beginning in verse 13, chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, like I said, and including chapter 3, uh, Peter comes along and he lays out what, you know, the details of living this good life, this honorable life among the pagans, some, some details behind how that is done. Um, most of those, especially up through Verse 7 and, and 3 is all identified around authority. Those in authority. To a lot of the examples, they, they are those who live under authority. How do you live, how do you live this good, honorable life uh, with those in our, who are in authority over us? But it also, in, in one simple example, shows how those in authority could also live that good life. So it covers everybody. We're all, all of us here this morning have someone in authority over us. We're not talking, not talking God. God definitely is the one that we're subjecting ourselves to. We are God's people. I'm not talking about that. In this world, as the scripture is saying, how do you live such good lives under, under authority? Let's look at verse 13. Submit yourself. In, in each case, there's that word submit. 
Uh, and, and I'll just give you a clue. Each time it, it brings up one of these examples, submit is, is, we're called to submit. Submit to these authorities. First one, submit yourselves to the Lord's sake to every human authority. There it is. So the first one is this, whether to the emperor as, as the supreme authority or the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to condemn those who do right. Okay, so it is the governing authorities. When we think about that, we're thinking about those who are lawmakers, those who enforce the law, uh, the people who are uh, establishing those things so we could be a civilization. We are to give them uh, that respect. We are to submit to their authority. And, and we're to do that according to, man, the pursuit of living such good lives. It, the verse goes on. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Perhaps that goes back to the previous verse and the same, man, they throw out, they're throwing out all kinds of accusations against you. That the thing that people who go to church, well, you're just a bunch of haters. You're the ones who look at certain groups and, and say, man, that's sinful and, and things like that. You're just a bunch of haters. Well, this, that does not change in any way that we still need to live honorably and good within our society. Verse 16 says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. And this one continues. The last phrase of that says, live as God's slaves. That's who we are. Again, you know, our, our greatest submission is to God. So we're going to live as God's slaves. And, and under governing authority, he calls us to be honoring of that authority. In, in verse 16, we, we can't let our freedom, our, we're familiar with this in scriptures. There's some places where those who, who basically have, have looked at the Old Testament and said, hey, we're not under that law anymore. I can do whatever I want to do. First Corinthians chapter 5, there was someone steeped in sexual immorality and the church wasn't even calling them out on it. And God didn't remove it so you could just go flaunt sin and be a part of sin. And listen, we didn't become a part of this great and wonderful kingdom in order for us to look at the kingdom here and say, hey, you know what? You can't tell me what to do. I belong to another kingdom. <laughs> that kind of attitude. It's not what we're called to be. It's not what we're called to be. Is that difficult? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me give you another example. Now, this, this example is not something that we could really relate to because in verse, um, verse 18, he says, slaves. Here's another example of, of those who have to submit to the, those in authority, slaves and masters. Slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Now, I'm not going to go into great details because, hey, any slaves here? Anybody who feels like a slave? No, anybody who, that is your identity. You are a slave. Belonging to anybody? Okay, no. The teenagers aren't here, maybe. I don't, I don't know, because usually my, my kids growing up, you know. Well, anyway, it wasn't that way. Uh, but but in, in the circumstances here, the, the one thing I glean from this is consider even, it says, whether, whether they're treating you right or even harsh. Again, your property, 
You're not your own. And, and as a slave, it says, even if they're treating you harsh, that you continue to live such good lives. You continue to live honorably. I could think of some devious ways that someone's going to harm me. I'm going to harm you back kind of attitude. But it, that's not what Peter says. That's not, that's not a part of living that honorable or that good life. Again, man, if I have the opportunity to change my master's heart, your earthly master's heart, by living a righteous and honorable life, then it, even, even if he, he treats me harshly, I, I'm not going to change what God has called me to do. The example he lays out is what Jesus did for us, Right? Jesus came into this world. Was he accused? Falsely accused? Absolutely. Uh, he, he's a blasphemer. What? Calling himself God? Well, it, you're, it's blasphemy if you're not God. <laughs> Jesus was accused of things. Matter of fact, he was, we know that he was brought up because he of the envy of everybody else. And he was crucified. He went through the suffering and, and all for the sake of, all, all for our sakes. And he calls us to do some very difficult things at times. Listen, in, in chapter 3, there's, there's one other submit, and it's wives to husbands. Verse 1 says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And in, in this um, and, and this, uh, you begin to think that, that Peter and the, the specifically the people they were addressing, obviously within the churches, there were slaves. There were, there were believing slaves that needed to hear the message we just heard. And I, there had to be a, a pretty good group of, of new converts. You know, the spreading of the gospel caught the attention of some women uh, whose husbands had not made the change yet. Who, who weren't believers. That's why you see in Peter saying, hey, wives, be submit to your husbands. Uh, submit under their authority. Why? So that they might come to glorifying God as well. So that they might come to, to receiving Jesus within their lives as well. They might come to know the message. Uh, there's one I was reading. He said, man, this is really radical to think that a woman would be able to choose a religion or boldly take on another religion within a man's household. Because a man as authority in this time would, would you know, whatever uh, religion that, that he would say, that's what you're going to do. That's your, that the religion of the household is what the husband says. There was no choosing from wives. So this is pretty radical that, that Peter is addressing some ladies who have become believers. And, and to live a kind of life that is going to be drawing them into a relationship with Christ. Honoring and, and loving kind of relationship. The second part. Okay, first of all, again, that was you know, the action or the activity of those who submit to authority. That, that is submitting. That the word submission is what we're called to. Now, the second of these... The second of these, the example is just one simple example, and it's husbands. It's listed in heaven. It's verse 7 of, of chapter 3. But I, I just want to say that, that in this thought, you know, he doesn't go and say, say this about 
those who are in authority, those who are in governing positions, those who are policemen or, or mayors or governors or presidents. So it doesn't go into to, to those who would be governing authorities. It doesn't go to, to masters and speaking to them, but it does say it to husbands. And I believe that this principle uh, really is to anyone is, who is in authority over anyone else. Specifically, it says to husbands, but to, to anyone who has authority, to those who have authority, be considerate, that is understanding, and honoring, respectful. Those are the words of those who have authority of others. You need to be considerate, understanding, and honoring. Let me go ahead and read verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the, great, of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Again, the example is, is husbands. The weaker partner or vessel, as, as some translations might might come now uh, again in Peter's day, absolutely. In, in this society, uh, you know, it's, man, that would cause an uproar, right? For for anyone, if you go out to announce in all society, hey, we, women are the weaker vessels, and and man, talk about mudslinging and 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 being harmed. Just go try to say that anywhere. In Peter's day, no way. That was that was clear. You know, again, like the man would say, this is the way it is, and, and the women would follow because he was the head of the household. I do believe through Scripture, uh, the husband is the head of the, ha- uh, head of the house, head of the household, still is, still is that. Uh, but but I, I do believe it's preciously different than that, uh, than, than the idea of the, the heavy foot upon you, or, or, man, the dominant idea of husband over wife, especially where Peter comes in, that, that he needs to be considerate and respectful and honoring. Do you think that happened in Peter's day? No, I don't think so at all. I think in those in authority, man, consider it. It was about what they wanted, and you're going to fall in line and do what I tell you to do. And in any of those authoritative positions, but not for a believer. How, how do you live such a good life and be an authority? Be considerate, be understanding, be a listener, and, and be respectful and honoring. Uh, Daryl Bossom, man, uh, I, I had the opportunity to work with Daryl. I love Daryl. Many of you who, who were members a long time ago love him as well. I remember him doing uh, weddings, and, and he, would, he would often go to this phrase. I always wondered where it was, and it came to mind. It was, it was during the wedding he talked about the unique relationship between husband and wife. Uh, and he got it from Matthew Henry. I finally found that out, Googled it, uh, which tells you all kinds of things. But here's, here's what Matthew Henry wrote that, that Daryl would quote. He said, the woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over her, not out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. That's the position. That's, that's near and dear, I, I believe, what Scripture is describing. That, that it's, it is a partnership. There, there is a headship created by God, 
But, but it is not that, that where the thumb is on. Again, especially with the words it says, that husbands, you're to be considerate and respectful of your wives. How shall we live? I, I think the obvious answer always, when it says, hey, listen, listen, this is your identity. This is who you are. You belong to God. How should you live? Well, be subject to God. That no, no problem to hear this morning. We didn't need to hear that. We, we know and understand that God has his expectations to follow after him. His word is full of it, right? Full of directions and, and how we ought to love one another and all those details. But then Peter lays out these two, uh, two, two simple points. One is to say, abstain from those sinful desires. Abstain. Don't, don't let that... Continue in your life. You're called to be holy. Abstain from those sinful desires. You know, live that relationship with God. Uh, and, and the second, the second is, is simply this, is to live such good lives amongst the, the people. It's not about moving and getting away. Go start a commune somewhere that only the Christians are allowed to come in. You can't run from that, because even within that commune, there's going to be a lot of sinful desires that needs to be dealt with. The things of this world, matter of fact, I, I believe the reason we're not told to move is because you are to be influencers. Did you hear that? You're to be influencers. You're to be examples. You're to be, hey, exactly what Scripture called you to be, His people, reflecting His glory. So that the world might come and have that same opportunity to glorify him. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Those that we're in conflict with. Those that, that accuse us of different things. That they would come to know Jesus because we stood firm in living good lives. Such good lives. That they came to identify the God that we love and that we pursue. Listen. I'll say it one more time, because it's worth saying. You are God's chosen people. You are God's chosen people. You are his royal priesthood. That means you could worship him directly through Jesus. You could approach that throne of grace with confidence, because you're part of that royal priesthood. You are a holy nation a holy nation you are the precious possession of God not one woohoo <laughs> not one yay I know you're doing it when you're singing though I know when you're greeting each other there's that sense of who we are the identity and the people around you Man, isn't God good? Isn't God good? Isn't his Savior wonderful? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the new birth we have through him into this living hope. Uh, Lord, that hope we identify. Lord, it's ahead of us. It's in our future. That inheritance that is precious to us, Lord. That salvation that's going to be completed. And, and Lord... It, it identifies us today as a special people, a chosen people. 
And Lord, we pray that, that in, in that identity that we are learning to walk in it better every day, Lord, consistently. Help us, Lord, to pursue that holiness, to pursue the love that we're called to. Help us, Father, definitely to abstain from the sinfulness that we know of in the past and that continues to be drawn up in our hearts and minds. Help us, Father, to, to win the conflict that's within us. We praise you for your Holy Spirit, the sanctifying work that's taking place in our lives to help us to overcome that our focus will be upon God and not the things of this world. And help us, for, Father, to live such good lives, such good lives that's going to represent you, that it's going to bring people around us to glorify your holy and precious name. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, that you be our strength throughout this week to come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.